What's up, everybody? Welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with YouTube subs and people who prefer the dubs. I'm Adrian, as always, here with Paul and with a special guest, YouTuber Steve M. Let's get big factin'. Let's get no cappin'. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Adrian's in California and you're in Britain. This is like spanning the world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how how close yeah, we, we are on uh, our delays. We're definitely following COVID protocols. We're at least six feet away from each other. Right now. Yeah, I think we're pretty good. I mean, I don't think it's the cyber virus, so we should probably be right. I don't know that new mutant from South Africa. I've heard wild things about it. <laughs> It's even worse than the one from you guys. It's even worse than the like British modification, the like South African one is. You think that one was bad? Wait until you see the Italian one coming up. And they... Ooh, <laughs> they put a little extra sauce on that one. That this is a uh, madhouse months is over now, Steve. Yeah, like that's how your time's freed up now. Okay, nice. That was uh, th- that and Toei months. It's like those are big runs. That's an impressive. Yeah. Output. <laughs> Yeah, they're a bit much. Yeah, um, I, I didn't do myself any favors with a uh, Madhouse month this year either, to be honest. Do you watch the movies as the month is going on, or is this like things you already have kind of like mapped out, or do you well, watch it, do the video, release a video, watch the next one? It's um, I'd like to say it was more prepared than it was, but it never is. Um, because say for example with Toei month, that was literally a last minute decision I made, and I just ran through the whole month with no prep at all. Which was was an interesting event. And then when I did Madhouse Month, I had like maybe a week of prep, maybe. But I was also working like a fair bit of hours in like the Christmas season at the same time. So I was pretty much completely zombie that whole month when I went to work. So I was just like in in, in and out state. But yeah, I, I ran through the week of prep I had on that. So I had a, probably a couple of videos ready. And with Madhouse Month, I had like two videos maybe ready <laughs> this year um, because... I spent all the time prepping on one really big video, uh, which I was hoping would do better than it did. But you know, that's how that's how the business goes. You know, I was mm. doing this big, uh, the Vampire Hunter D one because it was like ninety minutes long or whatever it was. So I spent a lot of my prep time, which I could have made another five or six videos uh, doing that instead. The algorithm and these kids with their attention spans. I tell you what. Yeah, it is what it is. The- the fickle, uh, capricious nature. <laughs> I think I'll just do the, a quick intro now for those of you who haven't yeah. caught on. We're talking to a YouTuber. That's me. Steve M. He makes awesome videos that I'm personally a very big fan of. Reviewing all sorts of animation, but concentrating on Japanimation uh, anime videos. And a little overview of like what I find so nice about Steve M's videos. For me, I'm not actually like a big anime buff. And mm. Steve, you've introduced me to like so many things that i would have never heard of or gotten the chance to watch without being a fan of you and like seeing your videos and i think i found your channel through the nuja best video who i was a fan oh, cool. of through being a fan of hip-hop and I, i'd always wanted a good overview of nuja best his life his music and you were kind of the person who'd clearly done the research like read the biographies figured out the stuff and you made the yeah. video i'd kind of been waiting for yeah, I was quite surprised that no one had done a video about that, though I remember when I was making that video, there was like a lot of things that were, um, I guess you could say, worrying. 
because uh, I had talked to some people who were like in the know with New Jabez, who like new family members or whatever else, and they'd said like, yeah, realistically, it's probably a bad idea to make a video on it because apparently the family is very protective, and they're like not afraid to cut like individuals out and um, be very like particular about what people say about him. So I was worried that like the video would get like claimed or attacked or something. Mm. Um, it never happened though, but like it was more just a, a slight concern about. Um, you never quite know with some of these situations. So like when I made the video, I was very particular about what information I would give about his personal life or what I would say about him. I didn't like to, um, I didn't like to theorize about his death or talk about his real name or like where he's actually from or where his, you know, just little bits like that. Where I've, and I, I tried to avoid using like um, a lot of photos of him, like very few photos, mostly just drawings of him. Tried to stay away from anything that they might like take offense to. In any way, and try to keep it very much about his career. Yeah, I mean, the things that you, like, I guess were able to say, it was all, like, basically kind of what I wanted to know about him, like, mm. owning the record shop. I, like, kind mm. of vaguely knew that, because that's all part of the mythos, but it was, like, yeah. nice to see you'd kind of, like, honed in on exactly what he'd owned and uh, his collaborations and how they came to be. Yeah, and one of the things, um, a lot of the information, I guess you'd call it secondhand, right? Because there's a lot of people who knew him who've done interviews, and that's quite easy to find. Though I had to actually go out of my way to find an interview with him that wasn't translated and get it translated to make that video at the time. The, um, the major source I have on him, I think it's a 2003 interview. I think now it has been translated by broader people, but I, I literally just had to commission someone to get it translated because it just was oh. it just wasn't a thing. Like there was no record of it anywhere. I had just had a transcript in Japanese and the original scans. Wow. Oh yeah, that I actually had some very professional interview questions written up, and that one kind of gets close to one of them. So I'll, I'll yeah, uh, that's good. Go ahead and ask that one, which is like I kind of appreciate the history and context you bring to a mm -hmm. lot of the films, the anime films that you review, and I get the sense mm -hmm. that you read a lot of these people's biography and even somewhat stay up to date on the gossip and like the internet rumors. So a question I had for you was, what's one of your favorite? personalities in the world of anime whether it's a director an artist or even a composer or a corporate person i think it's mamoru oshi the uh, the director of ghost in the shell him or like maybe tomino tomino um I'd, I'd probably go with oshi just because he's like a really um he's very strongly opinionated and he doesn't like he doesn't bullshit when he like talks in the interviews which is usually not something you see as much i guess with a lot of these directors they tend to be a lot more um but i guess he's from that generation like when he talks about people he worked with and colleagues, like when because he, he knows like Miyazaki and Takahata and that, like they all grew up together in the same kind of environment of making TV anime. And uh, you know there were like talks about Oshi making a film at like early Ghibli back in the day that never happened. But like they all just like argue all day. These these three or four of them, <laughs> it's very like tumultuous. Um, and I was, so sometimes like I if I recall, Oshi like wrote a whole book basically just shit talking Ghibli. Uh, it's called like a thoughts on Ghibli or something like that, where he just spends the whole time just being very, um, very opinionated and annoyed about different factors of films or parts of how it works, and just like just in general, like there's a couple of interviews he did where he's um talking to the producer of Ghibli, um, Toshio Suzuki, and he's basically bullying him. Uh, <laughs> where they're supposed to be talking about something else, and uh, he's going on about like. Why did you give Miyazaki so much control in Ponyo? Like, it seems like you just kind of let him do his thing. Why aren't you, like, herding him in? Um, what was happening there? Or other interviews where he's, like, roasting him about, like, well, what happens to all the animators during that period when they were maybe shutting down Ghibli for a while? 
just like the man has a lot of strong feelings and he says a lot of uh, interesting things in interviews. But then again, Miyazaki's just as harsh uh, back, which is always kind God of fascinating to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like, if anything, with Goro, his relationship now with uh, his father seems to be the most stable, maybe. I don't know, since they work in the same building, mm-hmm. they, they can talk on like a more daily basis, I guess. Yeah, which, well, uh, didn't... it never seemed like uh, he was cruel right it was more that he was like you kind of said from that from that generation of people mm-hmm. who are honest maybe a little bit more yeah. honest than we would be nowadays but it was never cruelty you know it was i i can't speak for goro's personal life um the way he kind of usually talks about it at least when i was doing my video on him it sounded like um his father and him were more estranged just because he never saw him because he was working all the time when they were growing up so like their relationship was um like that and when you're working with Miyazaki on films when you're in the same studio I guess you could say um he's to the, in the bluntest position an asshole to work with because he's so particular I know how it feels I do this podcast with Adrian but yeah <laughs> well yes but there's also that famous YouTube video of me making ramen for Paul during a late night of working on Big Facts No Cap that everybody loves so, oh, okay. <laughs> you know I got a good face oh yeah same with Miyazaki same as Miyazaki <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like he's a difficult man to work with and uh, can be very difficult in a lot of ways when when you're, like, there together. I mean, that was the opinion, it seems like, when he was making um, Tales and the opinion of, like, when he was making Up on Poppy Hill that, like, he had to kind of shoo him away sometimes because he's just so intense about, like, how things should be done. And then I also, I wanted to ask you, mm. uh, Steve, your videos, in my opinion, they kind of strike a balance between a retrospective and an analytical mm. essay. On the other hand, they're kind of reviews and criticism. Is that a balance you try to hit? Or do you see yourself more firmly placed in one world or the other? I, I think it just comes from the nature of what I find interesting in the production. Just because I don't, I don't know, I, I don't particularly think like a lot of the time... Maybe this is like a personal thing. I don't think my opinion is that particularly interesting unless I have something that I really feel very strongly about saying that I don't think has been said. But I, I don't think I'm like the most Roger Ebert type where like I'm going to, you know, blow your mind with my film critiques about and reference like 20 years of different stuff or whatever he does in his big videos or big um, pieces he was doing at the time. I, I'm more interested in like, I guess, education maybe in some ways. Uh, like like you said about like introducing people to the things they may not have heard of i think sometimes that's what i'm kind of interested in is sometimes the more contextual side of it i guess you could say like the more like history uh how something gets to be there where the influence might come why these things are done a certain way like those elements how people get to a certain spot and then sometimes i might talk about how i personally feel but i sometimes think that Something being interesting or like something that you think is worth talking about doesn't always necessarily have to be good it's for you to make a video about it. You don't have to think something's like an amazing thing to think it has a really great history or is worth knowing about. I agree with that. And that mm. sort of ethos is something I've always thought about movies and it, I kind of noticed it in your videos and it's mm. part of what makes like kind of drew me to it. And since you were talking about like d- introducing people to things i actually wrote a list of things that i would have never seen if it hadn't been for following your channel and these are all things i would recommend to the anybody listening to this who's maybe a little oh, bit more cool. interested too so the nasa the Na- i'm definitely pronouncing this wrong the biking anime the summer yeah, andalusia Nos- Nosu- Nosu- yeah yeah it means eggplant <laughs> porco rosso uh lupin mm-hmm. three ors prince of the sun 
um, the 1996 X Barefoot Gen, which holy shit, uh, what a intense crazy film. Uh, Phoenix Oh, yeah. mm. Paprika, the uh, Animal Treasure Planet or Treasure Island, which is a uh, <laughs> I always mix them up too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> they have such sure similar be... personalities. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like every time I... I think this probably happened on the day I made that video where I, I probably said planet a couple of times instead of island just because of um, the association from when I was younger, I suppose. My My Miracle, which another mm. one that's like, wow, for something that I don't think... You know, and even in the end of your video there, you talk about how it's more available than ever and you can mm. buy it on streaming. In America, you can't. It's just oh, really? in the UK, oh. Amazon, that you could buy it on streaming, and I tried to use my VPN, and that's, it, that's it really still annoying. wouldn't let me to buy it because of my card, so I had to uh, go watch maybe it on just... a more illicit manner. Maybe we're just really lucky, I guess. Um, it was on YouTube rental on my side. Is it not on your on yours? No, all the digital ones are uh, region-blocked for Britain. Oh, that's really annoying. The, the no physical, physical copies, th there are. I could have bought the Blu-ray, but... It's pricey, it's pricey, I understand. Paul decided not to support the art. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I mean, maybe one day, right? Maybe one day, like... Actually, yeah, that's... Um... I mean, I think there's a plan for me to get into like stuff that I like, but I really like Junji Ito, and I started reading him online, and then I mm. went back and bought books I'd already read, oh, just yeah, because I've... I was like, we, we, yeah, I should, I should throw him a few bucks if I can. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed um, these stories. I've spent many, uh, when I was much younger, I spent many a year watching things or playing things in the most, uh, I mean, like pre-Steam pre years, like, you know, you just pirated every game when you're like 14. But I bought a lot of them, like in my later years, if I really enjoyed the games. Oh, well, that brings me to, I was going to ask if anybody listening to this is just a Steve M fan and knows how they can uh, help me get my hands on Rail of the Star, <laughs> something I want to watch because of Steve's Ooh. video I haven't gotten to. I and have... <laughs> I've only found VHS rips. I have no idea if you can even get it anymore. Oh, damn. Wow. And then um... Metropolis 2001 and watched a couple episodes of Heidi Girl of the Alps. Still need to finish that. That finishes off my list of <laughs> well, things that's, I've watched. Um... You're very lucky too, because like Heidi, um, Heidi was basically like impossible to find until a couple years ago when someone just like I think uploaded the whole thing on YouTube with like a subs. Like it was only subbed in the last couple of years uh, in English. It's like so big in like Portugal and Spain and Germany and maybe even France, uh, probably Italy as well. Like it's so big in these different regions, but in English speaking nations, just not nothing. Hmm. Yeah, I watched the YouTube rip, and I would also say for Phoenix OO, if you. Look up Hinotori Phoenix 1985. You can also find a very good quality mm. uh, YouTube upload. It is an English dub, so I, it depends on. But that movie was one of the more awesome ones. It's not a story or a uh, ending that you. I think you would see in a lot of Western countries. It mm. has like a different. It's a different morality tale than you would see in America. So that's one I would yeah. recommend. Yeah, and um, the the manga itself for like Phoenix is actually pretty um, interesting if you can find it. I think it's you you might be able to buy it these days. Now. Um, back in the day you couldn't. I actually have like some of it, but through like a very weird fashion because I have this old book on like sort of like a history of manga book I bought on a whim off of, like eBay one day. I think I was recommended it at some point, and like it just so happens to have like um the Phoenix Part Four. Like, which is um, what the OVA I reviewed is based on, just, like, in it, like, a lot chunk of it. And that was uh, Tezuka, right? Yeah, Tezuka. So, it's like, his last big um, anthology series that he was really passionate about. It's Yeah, it's awesome. And then, moving on into 
usually we do a final segment of the show as like a third segment, but in this episode, I thought I'd flip it around. So before we get to the uh, advice columns, because I'd kind of been interviewing you a little bit, Steve, I'm, yeah, not, sure. I'm not a great interviewer, but you know, you're doing fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> From the fact that we had you on, Steve, um, there's another Steve me and Adrian are big fans of. Are you aware of the work of Steve Harvey? Steve Harvey. um, He does game shows. He's kind of a a renaissance man. He's uh, not (laughs) many trades. I'm I'm not too familiar with him. I think I maybe know him more through like osmosis of other Americans, but um, he seems like a character. (laughs) He's quite a talented interviewer. He hosts a lot of game shows. He's a a very talented stand-up comedian. I've been working on, uh, I've been using neural networks, really pre- my really great programming skills to create a Steve Ba AI to help us come see, in I and see. interview you. So give uh, a go. If, if you'd give us a chance, yeah, can we get uh, bring Steve yeah. Ba AI in here and uh, give it a, give him a chance to yeah, ask give it a shot, give it a shot. I'll see if it, I'll see how, uh, how it goes. Folks, I'm really excited to introduce you to some truly innovative guy. My guest spends every day working hard on his craft and producing some really special pieces of art. You know, I, I kind of want to do this a little different because I, I want to just sit and talk with you, just have some fun. Just two guys just talking about it. How you been? That's like he's in the room, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, How you been? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Like, um... In the last couple of months, I suppose, like, I've been recovering more from, like, wrist injuries, like, wrist strain. Uh, but I think it's became a lot better of recent. Uh, it doesn't hurt anymore, I guess you could say. So, like, oh. I guess I'm on the up. I like how already we Steve has asked a question that Paul neglected in his interview, which was just a basic, <laughs> how are you doing today? <laughs> well, that's why Steve is a professional, Adrian. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to get there. That's why we brought Steve on. Can you tell me exactly what anime is? What anime is? Ooh, uh, that's a question I think people get a, lot, a little too hung up on them sometimes. I mean, they're just, they're just like Japanese cartoons, right? Oh, okay, that's Japanese. Yeah, I got all that right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a heat answer. How'd you turn your love for drawing into this successful YouTube channel career that you've managed to get? Hmm, uh, maybe I was just very lucky, I guess. <laughs> well, were you always focused on trying to make it professional? Um, ooh. I guess, like, I always treated the channel very um intensely i guess you could say because i'm quite a compulsive person and when i get my my uh mind on something i i very much focus very strongly on that direction i guess at the time i'd seen that like making videos was something that interested me and i guess i was like i'll follow this path until um until i can i guess what what's your goal in life um that's who knows <laughs> the These are really the deep planet. questions from Steve. Not asking He doesn't do the bullshit. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to find a purpose to keep you going, right? So I just focus on whatever video I'm making next and what I'm feeling like doing at that point. Hmm. Keep it simple. Do you feel like progress is being made in anime? In anime, um, yeah, in a way. Like, I guess it depends what people think is progress, because I think some people get maybe um, too stuck on like certain elements. Like when I tend to do a stream or something, I get. There are certain questions I tend to get asked, like, multiple times. And they usually come from, like, a very particular lens of, like, I guess, online discourse. Some of it tends to be around, like, uh, people not understanding how animation is made. And, like, mm-hmm. they, 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 seem to, they seem to wove the age of, like, cell animation or something along those lines. I was going to say, I think uh, Steve, Steve Harvey might have listened to your uh, Earwig and the Witch episode mm. when he was asking about that. 
<laughs> yeah. But like again, like that's it's the same question, it's a different way of putting it, right? Like why is this animation not the way it used to be? Mm. Uh, and with cell animation, if anyone's ever had to use cells before, you realize like it's actually the worst thing you ever have to do in life. <laughs> and while certainly there are like um there is a sort of energy to it as a medium that you will not be able to replicate easily because it's just sort of like um I guess drawing in in itself, like making animation is a form of magic that you have to like make and you know the cell process in itself is kind of like a wild pro it's like you know just imagine the the process i mean i could even do it when i was a child because it was too too much for my head to like posit but the idea of someone drawing every frame and then painting it and then doing that for 24 frames like a second to make the cartoon you're watching in front of you was kind of mm -hmm. like how does someone do that because you at this point at the time i couldn't couldn't even fast at the idea that there was a team of people doing it i was just like how does one person do that much work to make something that looks this way it's it's funny hearing you mm. talk about it being like magic. It makes me think of like I guess your fellow Brit like Alan Moore, how he talks about creating art. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a wild guy, uh, Mr. Alan, <laughs> Mr. Moore. But I think there's salience to what he uh, the way he says it. Maybe he's just a bit more like poetic about it. But mm. I, I think it does. When I say magic, I kind of mean that it's almost like hard for people to process who don't understand how like it's made. I guess you could say like it just seems to happen, and like. Yeah, I think the, what's nice about progress, uh, for me, this is how I like to think about it, and maybe this gives me a different perspective, because I'm a guy that kind of works with animation in ways, like bits and pieces, like more mixed media, but more outside, but I, I, would, I don't think I could draw for Miyazaki or anything. But like, I like, I'm very excited when I hear about different programs that are like, means that as me as an individual, it gives me more utility, and that they can make it, the process easier, or like, able to do stuff that I wouldn't be able to do because I don't have a team. If that be like um, some of the stuff that like uh, happened on Blender, where they've created this like grease pencil and like three D, um, but basically Blender you can use two D and three D together really easily, and they're like brushes you can use that means you can mix those worlds together by like drawing over three D objects and doing stuff like that, uh, and just like these little add-ons. Or um, recently I've been looking into something called EbbySynth, which is a program that uses very specific um, magical technology in a way that like. Um, it can automate the process of like rotoscoping in a way in that like it can figure out using i guess whatever magical tech it has inside it um you can draw like 15 frames and it can fill in the blanks for you by having the original footage net there as well as your images and trying to figure out what it should look like so like, these kind of programs that like i guess some purists would like scoff at i think are very interesting for someone who makes stuff on their own because it just opens up worlds that you'd never be able to do without having such big teams and yeah, these sort of newer techniques, um, even like, what was that film called? Claws, I think it was called, like Claws. Netflix made a show, like a movie called Claws, mm -hmm. I think it was. And they were using like newer tech for like um, rendering so that they had this 2D animation, but they were rendering all the lighting and, and stuff on top in like a more 3D way. So they had like real time lighting rendering on these um, different masked uh, characters just to create like a different feel that you, you couldn't necessarily do um, in the past with 2D. So like yeah, I'm 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 optimistic about the future in that regard. That there's lots of new things that are making animation a completely different world than it once was. When is the last time that you really, I mean, just laughed hard? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe like the other day, I guess. I'm sure there was something stupid that happened. I don't I don't keep a track, I guess. Would you ever consider running for president? Well, Steve, I, he's British. He's, Steve, he's yeah, not I don't think American. I can. Like he's Steve, not even... uh, I'm sorry. Steve Bot is 
he's you know we're still working on him he, speaking of magical yeah. technology this one yeah, yeah he's got some kinks to work i out. mean to be fair didn't ted cruz run and he's technically canadian oh yeah yeah so uh, who knows the rules don't apply to ted cruz though. Were, were oh, okay. you born on a uh were you born on a military base? military base oh <laughs> i was not i'm afraid is that how he gets around it okay something like that i've never met you before but it's been a real pleasure oh there we go all right thanks steve Bot. well that was steve and steve meaning of the minds eh steve on steve <laughs> since we got a chance to uh learn a little bit more about you steve you want to you want to head into the questions do you have any yeah. oh wait adrian you wanted to tell us a little bit because unlike me you actually separate from steve know about anime that steve was my first foray <laughs> into the world of listening to anything anime related what's your already oh, uh... like was i with the first ever uh, I mean, I had friends who liked anime, so I'd seen things like Redline or Akira, but I'd never gone out of my way to look at something, anything myself. So yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting to always hear. Those uh, those films are just about the first things I'd ever went. I'm gonna go look up this piece of Japanese animation and go watch it myself. Yeah, that's um, I think those films had a, I guess they're interesting way, like especially those two. I'm well, I'm actually planning to talk about both of them in the future in some way. Hmm. Um, but I, I do think they, they speak of this sort of very particular um, time and place in those animation careers. Like Redline is very much like, um, in a way, I mean, I, I have like my copy over here and I was noticing like the other day, if you look at like, the cover of Redline, they specifically mm -hmm. have it to look more like an old poster because they have like the creases inbuilt into it and the wear, which um, I think was supposed to be kind of the message of it um, in a way. Like you see some of the interviews they talk about like, it may made for those sort of um I, I guess you could say it was made for the the fans of the more like edgy ova era period of time which akira was like a big a big um pillar of that sort of um style of like you know cartoons that your parents shouldn't let you watch kind of thing yeah it's um you know i always knew there was like a lot of depth and crazy stuff there that i didn't know about from having friends who are deep into anime mm. but it's it's like a i think if you're not into it from a young age it's like a daunting world to get into it's just like there's yeah. so much you need somebody like your channel to kind of break down what is and you know maybe like you can kind of watch it and you tell me what's like kind of what you mentioned earlier about like even if it's not good or bad it's interesting and that that's a more com like compelling reason for me to go back than to watch just the 10 out of 10 ghibli miyazaki films I, I like the idea of seeing something even if it's not perfect there was like mm. a reason for it to exist yeah i think sometimes um what some fall into is kind of uh and i, I sometimes hear this with um you know the the people who like who grew up in a kind of more like golden age disney era where they they have a very specific like perception of what animation should be they tend to um they tend to not have like i guess the context but like some people come from that sort of era or that sort of place or perhaps culture they just don't understand like i think they have a, a harder time getting over that barrier just because anime has different priorities than like what american cartoons do and like those priorities are set for the how they're made and i think when you know those sort of things it kind of makes it easier for you to um to like think about it even or like i guess you could just grow up with it and it just doesn't really affect you but i know certain people um like even hearing people talk about this because the funny thing is like a lot of those cartoons that were made uh, when i was growing up in the 90s a lot of them were like outsourced to japan like they were animated in japan so even like the american cartoons were made in some parts by the same people and they they talk about like um priorities or like the, the different contexts of like 
making those animations and they'll generally say like one of the biggest differences may be like well lip sync like in american cartoons everything's really thoroughly lip synced and in japan you just use free flaps and that's it because it's, it's about cutting costs usually and because when you make an american cartoon you animate the whole season first then you put it on television so like you have a lot larger period of time to work with and do the whole process and then like it'll all be like archived and, and thrown at the same time where in japan it's like it's a, it's a race to the finish line every week and i forgot the question um yeah i think i was just gonna let adrian speak about his relationship yeah. with anime oh, yeah, go for it. different than mine yeah sure i haven't actually thought about this so it's gonna be a bit of a word vomit i don't know i watched it pretty young started when mm -hmm. i like flipped on the channel and saw naruto when i was a kid um mm -hmm. Uh, I drew a lot of anime figures in middle school and got like made fun of it a little bit because I was really bad. I couldn't draw symmetrical eyes, so I would, I would always draw the emo characters that have hair over one eye. I see. I see. Um, but nowadays, like as an adult, it's the most common comment I get is like, "So you're into anime, but you're not like weird about it. What's what's up with that?" <laughs> Which is, I don't know what that says about how people think about people who like watch anime and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's been like a consistent feature in my life for a long time. Yeah, I, I think maybe it's more normalized now, um, just because, I mean, when I was growing up, it would have not been socially acceptable to watch anime from, like, the age of 11 onwards, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, to talk about it in such a way, like, any cartoon, really. I think that's different nowadays. I think kids are more, like, open to watching that sort of stuff, or people in general tend to watch more cartoons. Yeah, and yeah, actually, in so. one of our columns, I was a little shocked, and well, I'll mention it again when we get there, but mm -hmm. I was a little shocked until I noticed it was from 2012, because I was like, how can this question seems almost out of touch? Mm. So, yeah, I, I don't know, it's, uh, I think I started getting into more adult anime when I flipped on the sci-fi channel one, one mm -hmm. late one night and saw Gundam 00, which uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of. And uh, I think there's also like a weird kind of cultural thing where I remember visiting my cousins in Guatemala, and they were huge on Dragon Ball Z. And I think the whole idea of like shonen power fantasies really speaking to uh, communities of color seems to be a thing that's a more common narrative now. Yeah. Yeah. Certain countries as well, I know for a fact, especially in certain regions, like anime was literally just something they were raised on like so hard, especially like the shonen ones. Like there are so many countries where like everyone under 10 would watch this stuff, especially like in the uh, like maybe like South America or different countries, even the Middle East, like there's a huge amount of countries in the Middle East who are very passionate about anime and they grew up on like Captain Tsubasa and all these other shows and just maybe like I all should have asked one of my cousins about that. <laughs> Somebody in Lebanon. Yeah, they, they might well have grown up with it. I had someone in my comment section from Egypt tell me like they grew up watching like Sherlock Hound and I was like, whoa, okay, that's pretty wild. They got it and I didn't even get it in like England, which seemed a little wild to me at the time. It, that was an Italian production, right? If I remember from your video. Yeah, it, well, it was kind of like a co-production in that like, I think how they do it, because um, obviously it gets a bit weird. Like it was, it was, um, what would you call it? I guess the money came from British, uh, not British, sorry, Italian public television, R.I. RIA, I think it's called, but like they gave the money to um, Telecom on like TMS, and they um, maybe had some like production credit about what the show should be like, and then uh, they it's all animated in Japan in studio, well in Telecom at the time, which is like a subset of um, TMS. Yeah, that's another one. That that in like Heidi Girl of the Alps were some of the like shows I wanted to watch, and those are a little bit more. I haven't started Sherlock uh, Hound yet, but that one's. I guess shows are because of the time commitment <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm going with the movies a little bit more but yeah i mean 
the thing with Sherlock Hound, there's about six episodes Miyazaki worked on. So if you just want to speed past and just go on the ones that they made first, you can just watch those six. That's and uh, the rest of the show was made like later without with like a completely different cast of animators. So you don't have to worry too much about that if you don't want to. All right. Um, uh, yeah, and just just two more quick points. One is, um, I think a big part of uh, me being into anime and feeling comfortable with it was that uh, my dad really liked it too. Oh, yeah. Like Astro Boy as a kid. So he really liked Naruto. He kept watching Shippuden after I had stopped watching Naruto, just on his own. And he has, from uh, from us going to anime conventions, he still has a unboxed Naruto and Gara figurine that he keeps on his uh, in, on a shelf in his bedroom. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's actually just really cool. Uh, my yeah. my um my parents are from such such far generations from mine that I think there's no there's no way that they are they are no, not remotely interested in watching any Japanese animation. I mean, knowing Adrian's dad too makes that way more shocking. I didn't know that. And, um, yeah, he he really liked going. Adrian's to dad's with us. A, definitely a jock. He <laughs> well, he's Ad- just more of like a machismo Latino. He's not like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, cool ninjas, cool ninjas. I'm sure there's some pretty like tough yeah. macho ninjas in yeah, Naruto, right? He's definitely into the shonen stuff. He's, <laughs> um, and then I think like overlap with horror uh, is why like it kind of I pick some of the series I watch now. So like. I think, like, Paul, I'm pressed for time, so I, my anime taste is pretty basic nowadays. Like, I'm just catching up on Promised Neverland, Attack mm. on Titan, and then I really like Junjito. And then the only Steve M video I watched, actually about eight months ago, way before I knew about this encounter, was um, your Satoshi Kon video. Because uh, I just watched Paranoia Agent and just watched uh, Perfect Blue. Ah, just in time, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, I was looking for some content. To... Since I couldn't talk to anybody about it, I was like, well, who on YouTube can talk at me about uh, <laughs> this content uh, in a way that makes me feel like I'm having a conversation? Well, that was a big one. At the time, I think it was the longest video I'd made. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I needed stuff to fill the hours, so it was welcomed. <laughs> oh, was that like the start of quarantine, Adrian? You needed to... It was like two months into quarantine, yeah. Mm. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into the advice column questions, which is what we yeah. pretend this show is about still. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Paul, do you want to go first? Yeah, let's do that since I already kind of uh, alluded to this question. Sweet. Uh, So did you already fill Steven on the format? We read the question, talk about the question, read the answer, discuss the answer. Uh, uh, Yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. I think I love the gist. Cool. All right, so the question... um, Oh, let me actually mention the site. Okay, this is... One we have definitely not done before. It's ask JT on logo new now next.com. Um, it's by Tim O'Leary, and I tried to do I tried to do research on who he was or what this column was, and I'm not gonna lie to you guys, it came up basically blank. Um it's one of those just very randomly existing advice columns. And specifically it's kind of important to note this one is from uh from twenty twelve. So this one is So we're going back a bit. Yeah, going back a bit, which is important context for this question. Mm. Hey, JT, I'm 18, female, and a freshman in college. I have a really weird question that I'm hoping you could help me out with. It's about my roomie. We live in a small double freshman dorms. You know the deal. We're both arts majors. I'm majoring in graphic design, and she's majoring in animation. Okay, fine, normal enough. Here's where it gets weird. She's an anime free. She never watches live action TV or movies, just anime. She has like 50 manga comics in our room, which is small enough already without packing it full of comics. But the really weird part is that there's one anime character in particular 
Don't ask me his name. They all look and sound alike to me. That she's yo, 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 microaggression. <laughs> <laughs> that she's in love with. She talks about how hot he is all the time. Did I mention he's a cartoon? So my question is, is she okay? Is she normal? Should I be worried? Should I be worried I'm living with some kind of weird fetish sex freak? Signed, weirded out. Steve, we'll let you go first as a guest. All right. Should um, she be worried? I, hmm. Well, to me, that sounds, all right. That sounds really, um, I guess maybe because I, I know a lot of people who went to like animation school and that's like the least weird person I've heard who went to do <laughs> animation school. <laughs> <laughs> just because i've heard some very interesting stories about the kind of people you collect on the way there i mean it doesn't surprise me that like someone who was like um you know studying animation would spend i guess all their time in the dorm watching animation i don't even think it maybe that she doesn't watch like other stuff it's just like you know she's there it's kind of just like relevant to like what she's doing and what she might want to do um and uh especially now like i i know a couple of people who like work freelance in the industry who aren't like from japan and like it's not like um like what she's what she's doing there is um you know for all we know she could be just working in the industry right now oh yeah this could be a popular animator for sure i think the thing that got me about this is she, this is an art student and she you know i could almost imagine this question from like uh from like a marketing or business student but you would think an art student would have had a couple like weeb friends in high school like they would kind of even if they weren't like super familiar with the concept would sort of understand like do you think this is like someone who grew up in like tuscaloosa and then went to nyu <laughs> so this is their that, first time meeting different <laughs> i didn't i didn't know too many people like doing graphics when i was um in uni but i think it is a bit more like um what would be the term like i think a lot of more like normy kind of people go into graphics mm. and maybe like animation mm. since um at least what I saw, like, I used to work in a university for a bit, as well as, like, going to, like, I worked at the one I sit, I went to, so, like, I saw some stuff about, um, you know, the kind of people you see. I saw mm -hmm. through a lot of portfolios, and, like, I, I saw the kind of animation that people were into who were, like, coming to the illustration course. And, like, because nowadays, like, the biggest animation industry, especially in 2D, you're going to find is just from anime, because Disney shut down, like, most of their, like, 2D production, so they don't make their movies. Mm. You might have a couple of 2D shows here and there, like, there's definitely some out of Cartoon Network. There's a couple in England, like, um, certain places, but, like, a lot of the people coming in, uh, when I was looking through portfolios, it was either something between Adult Swim or, like, some sort of, like, uh, anime, if that be, like, Studio Ghibli or, like, standard, like, popular shonens. That's tend to be what they would be, like, mentioning that they were into if it was animation. Yeah, that makes sense. I think sense. in terms of the uh, sexual part of the question, I think that's very 2012. I'm sure mm. this person still exists, but I think, like how common it is right now on like twitter to talk about how much you were into jessica rabbit as a kid or uh <laughs> yeah this might be before like, like the furry uprising yeah it's more normalized now i don't i think the fact that she thinks that he's she's into a cartoon is that weird is i don't know if that's as that seems like very 2012 and before it seems kind of nice though they're clearly talking they've clearly become friends even though they're two very different people right i, I mean i guess Real she is kind of judging her behind her back i will say bringing bringing your manga or your books is kind of a jerk move in the tiny room no that's good aesthetic that's a good background for when you're doing your you know your uh, skype your zoom calls and stuff i i, I enjoy that 
Yeah, I mean, they may she may have brought it for like um, technical purposes, you know, just for like reference or whatever for animation. Yeah, whenever she's reading the uh, really graphic one, she's like, "It's research, just going yeah. in the corner, <laughs> looking at I, her favorite manga dude." I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, when I went to uni, like, I have a friend who went to uni with me, and he does illicit work uh, now, uh, full time, and he gets paid pretty well. Although he won't show it to me, but he, I know he makes a pretty good deal um, for making Wait. such work. That's so hurtful, Steve. He'll sell it to strangers online, but he won't show it to his friend. Who's this I guy's name? Just in... Let's put him on. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, we named well, him goes... this podcast. Well, but here's the thing. I don't even. He doesn't. Um, what would be the word? He uses a, a pseudonym for when he's making work, uh, but he won't right. share it. I think he's just insecure about it. I don't think he. <laughs> well, no, he just doesn't want you to see it when all the characters are clearly based off of you. Just clearly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. One one day I'll find out and I'll be like, "How could you do this to me?" <laughs> the other thing I'll say really quick is, uh, you know, the whole why does why how did this affect your life at all? If she's into this, like the whole question of like, should I be worried I'm living with a sex freak? Like. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe just don't use her body pillow. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, who cares? I have a feeling it's maybe maybe kind of juvenile, just kind of more like a gross-out sort of sensation, I guess, mm. living in the same area, like this sort of unknowing sure. sort of position. And I think that's what you were saying before about how certain people have perceptions of, like, what an anime fan is. I think mm. that's because, like, a lot of the time when if you aren't part of, like, that community... The only way you might see it is through like um, things that break through, which might be like cringe comps or like random Twitter pi- things or like pictures you've seen, and then you kind of like I have friends who like ironically they watch my videos. I know that, but like I remember having conversations with them before I made videos who were like, "Yeah, if you're into anime, there's probably no coming back. Like you're kind of probably like just fucking dead end." <laughs> so I was like, "Jesus Christ, man, you really think that?" Jesus. It's like when, yeah, it's exactly the same as when Adrian was saying people will tell him, oh, you're into yeah. anime, but you're not weird, which is like kind of a low key. And they diss, say it, they like... say it like it's a compliment, yeah, but it's like a, it's a weird, yeah. I mean, I guess he changed his mind because he has, I, I didn't even like show him my videos, but there have been several times in the past where he's been like, hey, I watched your videos, so I really like them. So, like, obviously, yeah. he's like, he doesn't have an issue with it when I do it. So, there can sometimes be a slight difference there, though. Like, I'm a huge fan of Super Eyepatch Wolf on YouTube, and a lot of the things that he talks about, I prefer watching him talk about them than actually watching the show. <laughs> like, I'll actually check out what he recommends, and I'll be like, oh, this kind of sucks, but I'll watch your video again about it, because it was really, you know, I love the content. <laughs> Wait, what's Super Eyepatch Wolf? What does he do, Adrian? Uh, uh, wrestling, anime, and uh, what's his other big one? Horror stuff. Yeah, kind of like video games, too. He's like a, another... Yeah. I, he started an anime. I think he sort of branched out as he's gotten like bigger just because he's like got the um the audience for it now i suppose yeah but like he's um i think people like listening to his his voice he's like got a very particular cadence and he's got a very good kind of more like a storyteller i guess in a way like the way he sort of tells things that's something i was gonna mention i was a little worried about having you on steve because you actually have a voice made for radio or podcasting and i don't like to i don't think i should bring (laughs) attention to how we don't like to platform people who have better voices than us (laughs) i shouldn't bring attention to how poorly suited i am to this format (laughs) It's fine. I mean, I've I've seen many people uh, over the years, uh, especially growing up on YouTube, like there was a lot of very grating voices back in the day where people thought it was good to like pitch their voice up five degrees uh, to, you know, to play a character or whatever or shriek nonstop. So um, I'm sure you're doing fine then, in considering that those people still have careers. Oh, no, Boxy. He's coming for you. I don't think you've heard the edited episodes yet, but I do kind of do a hyper pop thing with Paul's voice. <laughs> I really pitch shift it quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know, that could be quite bold in, the, in a way. 
You might be. You might. You might make it work. I mean, I like hyperpop. Yeah. There you go. Um. All right. I think I'll uh, jump to the answer unless we have any uh, goofy solutions. Hijinks, Adrian. Uh. uh yeah. I don't know. This is, this is another one where my solution is like get over it and be a empathetic person. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So she shouldn't try to prove to her how uncomfortable she's making her by t- taking up her own crazier fetish that she. Like, she shouldn't try and set her up on a blind date with like a quote unquote real man and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nothing like that, okay. Steve, any um, any uh I mean I I I at least I guess appreciate that she's she seems to be somewhat concerned enough to like write into the column. So I, I guess she must care to some degree, but I don't know if it's just that she cares for her own preservation. I don't think there's any way <laughs> I don't think there's any way like um <laughs> that like the column can like change her life in this situation. I think she just has to sort of like, yeah, learn that th- there are, you know, people out there who are into different things and okay. maybe have a conversation with them would probably be the most like, because, mm. you know, you don't even know that like she's making a lot of assumptions here. Does she really know that this person is like, wants to marry their figure or, or you know, you, she doesn't really know that. Like, is there a conversation to be had there? Like, is she, does she really only watch anime? Does she, maybe do they have more in common than they think? She shouldn't live in constant fear and by, and buy like a, a taser and sleep with her eyes open because of this. Yeah, I think there are worse things to be fearing, especially in college. Mm. Okay, so JT's answer. Oh, to have a problem like this. I know it may seem extreme to you, weirded out, but you've got nothing to worry about. Your roommate has a basic run-of-the-mill kink. In her case, <laughs> her kink is a fixation on an anime character. It's actually not that uncommon to crush on a fictional drawn character. And as far as kinks go, that's an extremely harmless one. Fantasizing about sexing up this anime dude as unnecessary motion lines and written out sound effects splash across her eyes gets her going. No big. There are a lot worse things that could rev your engine. That her kink bleeds into her daily life is a little bit bizarre, but not even remotely eyebrow raising considering she's a teenager. If she's unable to date in 10 years because she can't get over this cartoon guy, then we have a problem. Until then, Kini Shanai Dini? Um, I'm assuming it's some Japanese, right? That's right. JT just dropped some Japanese on you. Not expecting that, were you? Yeah, I don't really know Japanese. My friend does, but I have, but I had you going there for a second, huh? By the way, that just means don't worry about it, okay? And you should listen to that advice, because everything sounds wiser in Japanese. I mean, I can tell that was written in 2012 because that's a little bit orientalist at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of like the trope of the mystic Asian person. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. To get into character, he like put on one of those like old 80s mustaches. <laughs> the Fu Manchu. The Fu Manchu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be funny considering that's not even Japanese. That's, uh, that's a, little, a little far away. <laughs> yeah, it's a... maybe a couple of hundred thousand miles, like, thousand miles away from that one. But yeah, I think I think they're um, what they're saying outside of it being, I guess they're trying to play it more comically. Uh, I think it seems like reasonable advice. Just yeah, like, you know. yeah I, I think he kind of got to what you and Adrian got to, which is like mm. it seems normal enough. It's it's one of many. T- it's a little bit weird, but it's one of many different types of personalities, especially in college when people are like mm. figuring it out. Like you could have ended up living with like a tanky with like their red hammer and sickle flags all yeah. over the room. You could have ended up living with like a. Someone with an Animal House poster? An animal, yeah, he could have been living with, like, a real, like, bro, I'm gonna drink Natty Lights every night type person. You're gonna end up with a character, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this one seems to be at least a lot more quiet, like, less disturbed. I mean, really, Mongo isn't exactly, like, loud, loud work, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that is good. I'm sure she'll be fine. I'm just, 
in my head, I'm imagining my favorite thing ever, which is someone who's 19 years old picking up a manga and being like, wait, why is the end at the beginning? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's, I'm sure it begins to be confusing though. um, Because I think I I recall like the first time I ever picked up a book, but I I was probably about 10, I guess. Uh, And my, I think my sister had bought me like a Dragon Ball volume. And I was trying to read it, and I, I was very confused about like um, the narrative because things seemed to be going the wrong. There were things about the story that didn't make sense to me. I mean, eventually, like you get it was to the directed front page. by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, like it's, 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 it was backwards in a way. But like, if you open the first page, it says, "Oh, you read it the other way around." And you're like, oh, okay. And then you just then you just do. Crisis averted. Yeah, I think at the Harry Potter Midnight release, they were handing out free copies of a Yu-Gi-Oh manga, which I have no idea. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I have no that's idea rad. which came first. Like, that's a chicken and the egg situation. Yu-Gi-Oh wasn't based off a of manga, was it? Or um, No, yeah, it was based off a of manga, I think. Yeah, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh was a manga first. Okay. There's the infamous season zero with the actual original plot from yeah, yeah, uh, back... the manga. Yeah, someone I know recently made a video about this. Supposedly, I think it's like the early '90s. Like it was based off the creators' like love for board games. So there was like a lot of different games in the um, in the manga, and then eventually uh, he Dormos... sets people on fire and shit. It's rad. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. It's like it's not well if you're not playing the game correctly, then you get tough. Oh, is um, that like in the later seasons where there's like the dice Yu-Gi-Oh and um, Paul? That comes after the first arc. That's not even later seasons. Uh, that, yeah, I don't, <laughs> the later I think... ones of what I watched. <laughs> I, I think um. If I recall, like in the in the early manga, I th- I think there are lots of different games that are brought up, and I think um, Dungeon Duel Monsters, uh, Dice Monsters, which might have been a game brought up early in the manga mm-hmm. that's brought back in the anime later. Um, but yeah, Duel Monsters apparently just got really popular. People got really interested in that game, so it just became like just the main thrust of the uh, the show. Oh, and okay. I think it's still the most popular card game in the world. So take that as you will. Dang, one of them at least. I think that that like volume one I got at the Harry Potter release is the only manga I've ever read. Uh, I have a copy of Berserk that I keep meaning to get around to, <laughs> but it, it scares me when I flip through it. So <laughs> it's a scary book. <laughs> All right, Adrian, you want to hop? Do you think Griffin's question? the person that she's talking about in this article? Uh, Griffith. <laughs> Do you guys want to guess who her infatuation is? It's there's too um, diverse of options. I have no idea. It's like 2012, right? Yeah. I mean, I could I could Google like who was popular in 2012. Um, Did I ever tell you about I when no I uh, I was interviewing undergrads to work on my summer research project, and uh, one of the undergrads introduced herself with the fun fact that she had a dog, and his name was Sasuke. And so I was like, oh. whenever he runs, does he run with two of his hands behind his back? Whenever he's going to fetch a stick. <laughs> what did she say? She said no. She wasn't very fun. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't very fun. Great undergrad. Great with the bees, but not very fun. <laughs> was it actually based off Naruto, or was there something else? Um... No, yeah, she was, a, she was a big weeb. Okay. But she just didn't have a sense of humor about it. She was like, my dog was a anime name. <laughs> she was like, as a weeb, I'm one of the most oppressed people in this country. I'm not going to let you make fun of me. <laughs> I mean, she's the one that named her dog after a war criminal. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> I haven't seen that show. Does he kill people? I mean, he yeah. like defers from, he like treasons on the village that he's from and goes off and becomes like a super terrorist for a while. So uh, I, I don't know. It's... <laughs> You're trying to get me to watch the show. This sounds like a much better pitch than I imagined Naruto was. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to watch it when I was younger, though I kind of fell off at some point. Though at one yeah. point, um, 
there was in England a couple of years back there was a manga exhibition in London and I went with some of my friends and they spent the time on the um trip there explaining me the whole plot of Naruto from when I missed from like when I where I dropped off and I was just like oh okay that was yeah I'm kind of glad I stopped <laughs> at that point it, it was it was, uh, it was a bit much interesting nonetheless it was a good uh, a good ride there you know a nice way to waste three hours right cool all right well do you guys want to move on to the next article no cap I mean, I was kind of right because, um, like, a two months later, uh, no one was going to the cinema and they had to shut down the whole service. Uh, so they just, like, completely flatlined. Yeah, it's so similar I probably got in out America, except we never did close them back up. We just <laughs> decided to ride it back after. I've gone to a drive through whenever Phil was here to go watch Tenant, and we left early because we couldn't understand it. Yeah. Oh, fair. <laughs> I've never been to a drive through It seems a little... Uh... A little difficult, I would imagine. No, they're great. Uh, especially in non-COVID times, you just drive up, you find a parking spot, uh, you do a little picnic, you maybe you pick up a little pizza hut on the way there if you're me in Gilbert, South Carolina as a boy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great time. You yeah, bring it a might have been ball, easier yeah. for us in South Carolina. Like, light pollution isn't as big a problem. I think, I feel like most of Britain's a little bit more built um, Yeah, I think the, dif- the difficultness with uh, doing that in Britain, obviously, is that it's always raining and it's cold. So, like, going uh yeah I, I just don't think it's i don't think i've ever seen any in the area to be honest but it, it's kind of like an american thing i think more so but uh, i think yeah if you can get it together it sounds like it'd be a fun time the problem is a lot of the ones that have opened up just because of covid are like they they open in the city where there's too much light pollution to really yeah. do it right and it's like yeah. th- they just opened a little too quick it's i think the one in gilbert adrian mentioned from our childhood's a little bit more like mm properly set up to yeah go watch because i was gonna say uh and there was one time uh in england where i was i watched the film like outside i guess you could say this was kind of like it was kind of like in a square like it was next to like a cafe or something and they had it like playing on like a little screen outside but it was just too loud like um you know it was too many people like because it it was kind of next to like people actually just having their dinner meals and it was really loud and it was hard to hear and like uh, the screen was a little like too many people in one area. Sometimes it's hard to see the screen because how many people in front of you didn't have very good spacing. So um, it wasn't the best experience, but it could have been better if uh, they had. I, don't, I guess I don't know planned out a little better. I suppose. I just wanted to say like the U.S. I think we're like really low in terms of like happiness index and like uh, healthcare index <laughs> and education index, but we're number one at drive-ins. I, I think we can. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> we're fucking killing that. You're taking your sweetie honey down uh, in your old-timey car, uh, parking it out there, and trying to sneak a kiss. That's what we do that number one in our, putting our letterman around her. USA. Yeah. We're, num- we're number one at that. I'm, I'm sure, as, as a spokesman for my country, I'm sure we can concede on that one. That's definitely not something that we are very good at. But yeah, Adrian, you want to hit us with that question? Uh, yeah, sure. So my article this week is from Letters from Japan. Um, and this is Ask Hillary. This is Hillary Keys. I'll read her intro and a little bit of other stuff I found out about her. Savvy Tokyo's resident Love in Japan columnist Hillary Keys answers anonymous questions from readers on everything from dating in Japan to women's health issues. Got a question you'd like to ask Hillary? Email her at her email. I'm not going to read that. Um, the kind of background info that I found out about her, she's a Canadian woman living in Tokyo for the last 13 years. Uh, and in terms of profession, she's an artist. She's done everything from silversmithing to tattoo design to painting and bonsai care Uh, so that's hillary for us and here's the question the title is why is he anti-japan 
Hey, my boyfriend is Japanese. I'm American. But he's practically a native English speaker. He went to university in the US and worked there for a couple of years before coming back to Japan. We got together a year and a half ago, basically a month after I arrived in Japan. I came to Japan to teach, but I really want to study Japanese too. I haven't really made any progress because every time I try to study or even mention doing something Japanese, my boyfriend freaks out. He always talks bad about Japan or says how much stuff is better in the US and that learning Japanese is stupid because no one uses it. At first it didn't bother me, but with the whole lockdown, it's starting to get on my nerves. I'm not trying to be all like some freaky otaku or anything, but he even makes fun of me when I say I want to see a museum exhibit about something Japanese. Why is he so anti-Japan? How should I deal with this whole foreign is better obsession? No Japanese allowed. Hmm. It's definitely like a complicated situation. Like there's a lot of factors that could be playing into it, which is why I find it kind of interesting as a question. From my own experience, I could I could probably say like, I think if you aren't like, what would be the word? If you aren't like necessarily prideful of your own country, or if you feel like your country has a lot of issues or there's stuff about it that you really don't like, I, and that you spend your you know a large portion of your life growing up in it, it can be kind of like um. I, c- I can see the feeling of being a bit like jaded towards it when uh, people from other countries start asking you about it in like a very whimsical fashion. Being English, like I know a lot of Americans, and they'll ask you sort of questions that like their understanding of England is kind of like a, a Charles Dickens novel, like a, yeah, like a Charles Dickens novel version equivalent, or like Harry Potter, and it's like it's not not really like that necessarily. You're just upset you didn't get the letter at eleven. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I actually I don't know because um. Boarding schools in England are really bad. Like, they're really bad. <laughs> I've seen some movies. Yeah. The The prefects seem cruel. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting you. So, yeah, it's like the fetishization of something where you're not even particularly... I mean, me and Adrian also make fun of South Carolina all the time. So, yeah, I think yeah, if yeah, somebody moved to South Carolina, they were like, oh boy, the Dixie we love... We love all the we love mudding and being a Dixie and playing baseball. We'd be like, it's it's not that good. So what's interesting to me is that I came to this uh, article from the perspective of like in the U.S. Sometimes mm-hmm. assimilation is really pushed on immigrants, and like that was my mm-hmm. sympathetic view of it. Is that like he probably was really pressured into assimilation, and so now that's like his perspective is like, oh well, you know, the U.S. is better. Like I've lived there and. The culture is better or whatever i don't know that that was my idea but i don't really know that totally could be true as well i mean yeah. i think you can have kind of like both i mean i imagine to begin with if you you move to study i think that's the thing wasn't he? his he was studying in america in america yeah, right, from yeah. Japan. i imagine if he's studying in america it's probably because he doesn't want to study in japan so he's already probably got some maybe maybe there's a level there of like um what would be the term Maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder about living in Japan to begin with, and like mm-hmm. there's certainly elements I could see where like there's probably a side of assimilation, maybe a side of um, uh, I I guess like things in America uh that what, what would be the term like there's probably stuff about America that he much prefers because of the freedom that you don't have from like um you know they they say that Japan's very um collective based and like there's a lot of unwritten rules about living like the way you should act in japan which don't necessarily apply in america about like how you are supposed to be seen how you're supposed to do things say things etc etc and those can be very taxing on the average person there there's a whole uh, saying about like you know um the uh what would be the term like the the nail that's not like hammered in gets hammered in japan like if you stick out you need to st- yeah yeah, yeah. 
you need to get smacked. You'll get smacked down. And then I guess probably being an exchange student to the U.S. I mean, I feel like most colleges being an exchange student, I could see maybe being like a false impression of how the U.S. is because I feel like a lot of times mm. in those programs, you're going to be like people are going to be very buddy buddy with you in a way mm. that maybe if you just move straight to a city, you're not going to have that sort of uh safety net to immediately like have like a group of friends and activities always ready for you and that might be kind of mm. coloring his idea that like america is this land of nice people why would you want to live in japan yeah and it could be a factor of um you know, you know how like over here you have people who are like you know you know they would they might say they're like weebs or whatever like they they idolize a culture that they don't know because it's like you know the grass is always greener far mm. away so like perhaps this guy's a what would you call it like a yankee file or something like he's just really into american culture and uh, that's that's his vibe. That's and he's in the honeymoon period still. <laughs> just a, I'm just imagining like a 15 year old Japanese kid in his classes wearing a cowboy hat, cowboy <laughs> boots. <laughs> what what would be like the small American phrases he would take? Uh, um, to say uh, how like some people say kawaii here. Probably what like Hamburger just... Town, yeehaw, like <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching this super rare American animation, uh, Courage of the Cowardly Dog. Uh, you guys probably haven't heard of it. I mean, you laugh, but there's literally um, debates. I've heard this in Japan. There are literally debates about people who talk about, like, um, what's it called? Uh, Hank. What's the Hank Hill show? Was it, oh, um... King of the Hill. Yeah, they they have literal fights, like, on forums in Japan about people talking about the original American dub versus the Japanese for, like, King of the Hill. That's awesome. <laughs> so, like, it, it goes both ways. Like, it does. Um, I, I did actually see a video once on, uh, like, Chicago footwork. Apparently, for it became massive in Japan, and there's some real obsessives over there, like, who've learned... What do you mean juking is, like, the dancing? Like, yeah, like, footwork dancing. Yeah, like, uh, mm. juking to, like, house music. Um, and, yeah, apparently, like, there's whole classes for it. Like, the two places it's popular, like, Chicago and Detroit in the U.S., and then in Japan, mm. there's whole classes. I, I wouldn't be surprised. There's definitely, um sometimes sort of a like assimilation thing that happens like where japan will take something that they think is really interesting and sort of bring it in very passionately although all that being said this guy definitely whatever it is is kind of being a jerk about it oh yeah 100 percent. like um we can, we can agree on that was there more to the question no that's the, yeah, whole, that the question, whole question yeah. what was, I was like, gonna kind say, of the uh, ending thought adrian what was it like specifically like how do i deal with him or because um they're currently, wait, just to clarify, they're currently in America, are they, right now? They're currently they? in Japan. I yeah. see. And he's not letting her really, like, immerse in the culture because he keeps telling her, like, it's not Precisely, worth it. Precisely, yeah. I do wonder a little bit, and this is maybe some of, like, I guess, outdated general position, that I do wonder if some of this is about control. Uh, because mm. being in a position where she, she is the, what well, he is the conduit, to her experience in Japan, he mm. must order the food, he must do, um, you know, he's going to be talking to the cashier, he's going to be doing this, and, like, Japan isn't necessarily always the, the, the pet, well, when when was this, um, when was this article from? Is it from a couple years it's ago? It's pretty recent, it? I think it's, uh, yeah, June 5th, 2020. Okay, so this is pretty new, but the, are they in Tokyo? No, uh, she mentioned cities in her bio, but, uh, let me try and find that really quick. Uh, it's not Tokyo, though. They're in uh, somewhere a little bit smaller. Mm. All right. Forgive these pronunciations. Um, 
Harajuku, uh, Konji, and Shimo Kitazawa are her uh, her stopping grounds. Those aren't just like neighborhoods in Tokyo, are they? Oh, if it is, I'm going to have some real egg on my face. <laughs> uh, Harajuku is, um, yeah, in Tokyo. It's next to Shibuya. Nope. So yeah, I think well, they are in Tokyo. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Half the times when you hear somebody say they're somewhere in Japan, it's just the t- neighborhood in Tokyo. It's such a big She's city. not in New York. She's just in Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Long Island. <laughs> <Yeah. Island. laughs> well, the, uh, the only reason I majorly asked is just because there are like certain places in Japan where like, there wouldn't be it would be very difficult for her to like uh function without him because like no one would be able to speak english to her and she'd be sort of like closed off that was an important part of the question right is that he says that it's useless to learn japanese because you can just use english so they must be somewhere yeah yeah because if you are um if you're in tokyo english is probably going to be okay for most things if you're in the in the major part of it just because i i had someone who was in my year who went off to teach there for like a year and uh, he said he never had to use any like japanese because he was in tokyo but even so, like I think there is probably a, a level of control in there, I suppose, of um, in a way, um, which uh, probably doesn't sound too healthy, quite frankly, because um, I've also know people who say like you know one of the best ways to actually learn Japanese is to have a partner who speaks it, because that's like basically immersion theory. Like you, can, if you talk to them every day in Japanese, you'd learn it pretty quickly with someone who already knows who can sort of help you and like move you towards it. So like she'd be in a very ideal position to learn the language quite quite stress-free overall if she really dedicated to it especially during quarantine but she's kind of been put in a position where like she's not even allowed to effectively mm. I, I, I think that makes sense it might be somewhat control and i mean obviously we have a letter we heck we can't like say for sure yeah we don't have yeah, like have no follow-up possibly. questions but it could be a mixture of that and maybe there's some amount of embarrassment with her trying to act Japanese. Maybe being a bit of a bumbling foreigner is less embarrassing than somebody who's trying and failing in a way. There Um, are probably different... I think they would consider different standards to it. I mean, if you're like a gaijin, if you're just a gaijin, it's like, yeah, whatever, it's just a gaijin. You know, they they don't know. But like when you start doing things in Japanese, the, the expectations start to fall on you a bit more. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's as worried about that since he doesn't seem to respect the Japanese <laughs> culture as much. But maybe that's because uh, it's too many factors. Like it's hard for me to really pierce into like Steve. You have hit on the the golden issue of trying to mm-hmm. answer advice questions is that yeah. they give yeah. you no context. <laughs> yeah, because basically anything. <laughs> there, there may be, you know, there may be a factor where, like, if we asked the gentleman what he said, he's like, he could be like, oh, well, it's all in, it's all joke, it's all a joke to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not taking it very seriously. I'm just saying, like, ah, it's fine. You don't need to know. It's fine. It's, you know, do something else. Whatever. Like, he's not taking it very seriously. He's not really thinking about this in the way that she is. So something me and Adrian have learned from advice columns is half the time somebody sends in a relationship question, it's like, he's actually incredibly perfect in every single way, except for when he says this pretty frequently, we'll say something incredibly cutting and hurting that will ruin my entire sense of identity. Yeah. But otherwise, he's super perfect. I can't yeah, imagine I've heard... what's <laughs> I've heard that one before. I've heard that. It's always, it's always a bit, you know, it's always a bit stressful to try and help someone in those situations. Um, this one doesn't seem that bad. It seems like maybe he's, it's more, if it's not about control, then it's definitely his own issue. And it's not, it mm. doesn't speak badly on the relationship. It speaks bad. It's his issue with his home country and it's not a relationship issue. Um, yeah. Or it could be but, about the control. Like we said, it's kind of hard to tell right off the bat. Yeah. Cause 
2020 uh, Japan at least uh, they would be getting ready for the the to- well what they thought would be the summer Tokyo event so like there would be a lot of people speaking English there would be a lot of stats like signs up in English at the time so they would be as probably as English friendly as they possibly could be as a city that is true but there's still definitely elements of that that can happen depending where you are and what you're doing I mean the tube is still very computer well, I guess the train system in Japan is still very like confusing if you don't know what you're doing cool you guys want to go to the answer mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right, the answer is longer than I want it to be, so we'll see if I can do some on-the-fly editing. Um, Dear No Japanese Allowed, I have a couple things I'd like you to clarify before getting into your questions. Have you actually studied Japanese in any capacity or gone to the events exhibits that you wanted to? If you have, then good. I'm glad you're not letting him dictate your hobbies or interests. If not, then that is something you should reflect on. Why are you dating someone that stops you from doing what you came around the world to do? It sounds like you settled into your relationship with him very quickly, which makes me curious about what you two saw in each other in the first place. I also wonder if you've stayed in this relationship because of the stability that it offered in an otherwise unstable situation, i.e. settling into life in a foreign country. I assume that on dates he handles speaking to any staff in Japanese for you. If he isn't willing to allow you the tools to be autonomous, that isn't healthy. It's controlling and fosters dependency. Those are major red flags of an abusive relationship. It's a good parallel so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, does he go out of his way to praise you for being foreign or for not being Japanese? If he does, then he may be a racial fetishist. That is, someone mm. who dotes on people of another race because of stereotypical perceived traits that race slash nationality is said to possess. And in that case, he's not dating you because of you. He's dating you because you're foreign and thus satisfy his fetishist needs. So you doing anything Japanese would taint your foreignness and therefore ruin his fantasy. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on that so far? I'm going to do some uh, on the fly editing. Uh, it's it's true. It's true. It, these things could totally be uh, the factor, but there's just so little to work with. It's it's really hard to. It's, it, it, um, it reminds me of like what you said, Steve, about how these things go both ways when we were talking mm. about the like sub dub thing. But then also, it's just mm. like often we think of white people, you know, fetishizing Asian. It's like you forget yeah, it yeah, can I've go the one. other way. And it, it, I had the exact same thought. Like the I was reading the book Pachinko by like Min Jin Lee. Hmm. earlier this year and it's the same thing where it's about a korean in japan and they go through the thing of being fetishized for being a korean immigrant like in kind of the same way that we would often think of like americans or white people fetishizing immigrants where she's like oh it's so powerful that you have had such a hard life and stuff and that's one of the relationships in the books and that caught me by surprise Hmm. too and it sounds you know just something i was thinking about yeah i i do wonder like if if this uh, gentleman thinks Japan is so great, why? Well, he doesn't think it's so great. Why is he living there right now? Like, I, I don't really mm-hmm. understand. Like, you know, if America was so much better, you should have stayed in America at that point. Really, if that's how he really feels. Because if not, then you should just let her learn Japanese. Like, I don't really see. Like, why are you there then? At that well, point, if the racial fetishist uh, theory is correct, you can't show off an American girlfriend to other Americans. <laughs> I see, well, that could be the point. That literally could be the point. Yeah. Though, there is like um. There is like another layer of issue with um that in terms of Japan, in terms of like you know, say Japan has its issues with its birth rate control and all that, but like they won't give you um priority for like going out with someone who isn't Japanese, you know, mm. like you won't get your benefits if you if you plan to have children in Japan if you if it's not with someone. As far as I if I understand correctly, if they're not both Japanese, it doesn't count. 
whoa, mm. that's actually. I mean, you always hear like that Japan's like xenophobic or you know how. Oh, very, very like. But <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know nation like, for so long. In the I history. didn't know it was within law to that degree that if you married a foreigner that you weren't going to get your benefits that's well i mean the benefits in terms of like these are the new benefits created so they can try and up their birth rate is what i mean but like this might also be an issue with like benefits in general because yeah it's going to be difficult if you're not like a native i know there's a lot of bureaucracy there all right so we need to get our population higher but we refuse to let anybody come into the country basically that doesn't seem like good logic it seems like right-wing logic and it's it's, yeah it's a very um well uh, japan be like that sometimes you know (laughs) the the rate isn't going up i don't think um the lockdown has helped it much Mm. uh yeah there's like a very complicated issue let's say and a lot of it has to do with the gig economy as well and people Mm. not feeling like secure like financially secure enough to um have families okay cool uh i'm gonna move on in the answer uh so she first kind of puts out a header to directly tackle the question why is he so anti-japan and she does this uh by citing some psychology research according Mm -hmm. to psychology there's a process called the minority identity development model it's based on the work of william e cost jr and is a series of stages in which people develop their ethnic or cultural identity I don't have the space to go too in-depth into his work and subsequent studies, but I want to point out the first stage of the MIDM is where a minority devalues their ethnicity and or culture in order to better fit in with mainstream society. It's a fact of life in North America that mainstream media revolves around white people and their problems, with people of color relegated to secondary roles. While this has arguably changed somewhat in recent years, the media's representation of Asian Americans hasn't progressed nearly as far. And more to the point, Asian and Asian-American males have been portrayed as less male than other ethnicities. It sounds as though your boyfriend has devalued his own culture to the point that he's becoming a self-hating Asian, but he never moved on into the later stages of understanding his own identity. I'm neither Asian nor male, so I can't speak to how to deal with this, but I found two blogs on Psychology Today and Medium that may help understand where your boyfriend is coming from and how he feels. And then she directly tackles the question of how should I deal with his whole foreign is better obsession. And what's interesting is she asks three Japanese male friends of hers to give their uh, takes on it. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. They basically say, you should dump him. He sounds toxic. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's always plenty more. <laughs> I think it, if, you, if you want to learn Japanese, I'm sure you could find very easily another another Japanese man who'd be willing to teach you very quickly. It, it won't. Mm. It's, it's not that difficult. Adrian, did they put their numbers at the bottom of that advice? Did they, put their... <laughs> did they put their contact info, like, hit me up? It's a very heady question when you know so little about the person in general, but I, it doesn't surprise me some some of the factors that, are in, that could be involved. Yeah, it seems like we were able to identify some common ideas mm. of what we thought was going on with the uh, question answerer. And I think that speaks to something. Yeah, it's just... It it always is going to seem a little bit toxic when you um someone shows an interest in something and then you sort of swap them away from it because I think even if you don't necessarily have the um personal passion towards something you should probably at least be like receptive or neutral on the factor trying to push people away from something that they're interested in doing is never really going to look as a like a good look. No, absolutely. I mean, like the thing is, it's one of those things where he has to stop, but we don't have enough information to know the reason mm. why he started behaving like that. So there's different advice for how to deal. You know, if it's so bad that it can't be like behavior that's changed, then yeah, the, the three men were right. She probably needs to leave him. If it's there's different levels depending on the reason, and we can't really hone in on that reason. Yeah, 
I mean, there is Too one well. fact they brought up um, about like what's like internalized sort of hate for one's own race there, which reminds me of something of a, like a British um, musician once said recently. Um, I think her name is Rina Sayawana. Sa- Samawana? So I don't. Sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with her second name as well. But she's a Japanese British like um, expat, I suppose you'd say. And that's like I think she was born in England, but she has Japanese nationality. But like, what she grew up in England, and there was like you know culturally certain standards that like her mother would do for her, like making her pack lunch. Like um, they'd be Japanese, and she uh, learned to be like very um, insecure about them because all the other kids would make fun of her for having like a Japanese packed lunch instead of like a sandwiches or like standard. So she'd oh, become like Paul less... knows about Paul and his pomegranate seeds at lunch. <laughs> Me and my avocados getting made fun of by South Carolinian kids. I, I know about this yeah. from bringing Arab lunches to school in South Carolina. Yeah, you totally understand, like, the system of, like, then she didn't eat those lunches because she didn't want to stand mm-hmm. out and she wanted a more standard lunch. And then, I guess, like, having that res- reflection as a, at an older age to be like, that was, you know, I understand now that was, like, wrong with me, but that's kind of how you, when you put in that position as a young person, it's how you feel about it, you know? Yeah, I guess no, absolutely, but... Honestly, maybe I should have brought my own experience into it more because I didn't yeah. think about that because I've had that say, and it does lead to this type of thing where people want to control people afterwards mm-hmm. based on it. And this person's a little bit different because they were raised in Japan, but yeah. online, but suppose, you see, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, cause they were going for, to America in older age, maybe there was a, a more in, incentive to like move quickly into like the roles that were expected of someone in college. Yeah, I guess. Online, you see a lot of people with the, uh, you know, and I'm not going to make like a qualitative judgment about whether or not yeah. you should think, um, what is it, cultural appropriation is good or bad, but a lot of people get mm. upset at people for cultural appropriation. And it's like, I understand the impetus because it's like with something like hummus, which was like, maybe I was mocked for it as a child. And then it becomes yeah. popular with uh, white Americans later on. There is like a, you, some people do feel like this, oh, I can control people now by saying, you don't get to have that. You shouldn't, you're mm. appropriating my culture. And I mean, in some cases, cultural appropriation is problematic and probably is. Paul, if you try and take my hummus away, I swear but to God. In, in some I mean, hummus is pretty I, good, man. I'm not talking it's you quite good. <laughs> Exactly. I disagree with some of the Arabs who are like, white people shouldn't eat hummus. Like, you know, sometimes it can go a little bit too far. Yeah, but sound, now they sound I'm, a little salty, to be honest. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. It's like, I understand the impetus because I'm also salty from being made fun of, but, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, you try not to hold that grudge in an unhealthy oh, yeah. way. And <laughs> I've, I've heard the term, I guess, um, that, like, cultural appropriation is, like, a neutral term, necessarily. Like, it's right. neither good or bad, but can be both, it's about I context like, and situation. Yeah, like, or, yeah. if you're disrespectful, Execution. it's probably always going to look a little bit, like, inappropriate. Yeah, my story with this is, uh, so retroactively, my sister was also really big into anime from an early yeah. age, and so she did her quinceanera, like, 18th birthday type, like, combination thing was a trip to Japan. Um, and so my mom bought me a kimono while she was there, but luckily, uh, because of the size differences, it was too small for me and I never went out wearing a kimono. Otherwise, Adrian (laughs) would be canceled right now (laughs) once people brought up pictures of me going to school in my kimono. (laughs) Just stayed in my closet. (laughs) I I think, how how, how would you put it? It's, It's always complicated, like, you know... If I could, I wouldn't mind wearing Komodo around, but I think it would... It seems very breezy. It seems really good for warm weather. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I imagine like I don't even know if it would be like the worst thing in the world, but I think it would just make it be very. It would be very cringe. You yeah. know, if, if I opened up my channel right and I was like sitting down in a kimono <laughs> and I had tied my hair up and I had like a, oh, a samurai sword to the side of me. Oh, and yeah. just a cup of I hot would, sake. Yeah, mm. I, I'd look like the most orientalist like loser who ever existed. Like, <laughs> ah, yes, welcome to the world of anime, and it's like Jesus Christ, man, what are you doing? Well, actually, that's an interesting question. I don't. Not that I want you to self-incriminate, but has Steve ever been cringe as far um, as um, looking back on maybe um, like some of your university times or like your specifically in anime? You don't have to just tell us. Like, uh, I mean, we'll do a one for one exchange. Sometimes. Paul will give you a cringe experience in exchange for one cringe experience. I... I don't know if I was never like I don't think I was ever that like hardcore, but I probably did have some like really cringy conversations in like school with like my friends about anime because like I just didn't give a fuck at that point of like just being like probably a little bit too loud and a little bit too abrasively talking about certain anime things that probably shouldn't be said said in like public maybe. <laughs> you, you're uh, you're mentioning your favorite girl characters is that what the wife is probably or something I don't know. I wasn't, like, a huge into that, but I probably did say something like that. I mean, I was just, you know, I was, like, 16 or, like, 14, so I was probably just being a horn dog in general. But, like, just probably just being inappropriate. <laughs> I was thinking about when yeah. you were, when Paul was talking about the going to class dressed as a cowboy, uh, we did have someone mm -hmm. in our high school who would come in with her Sakura cosplay. Uh, just yeah. to like random days at school, which you know, which she got it's a little more endlessly, but she was very nice and sweet. Uh, yeah. Shout out to uh, her. I won't put your name on blast, you know, but you were needlessly yeah, I, for being I, a very I nice imagine, person. I imagine you know it, it would be considered a little bit cringe, but I think there's some earnestness to that. I mean, to to do it despite getting mocked, I think shows a level of like mm. dedication that most probably don't have to be that bold. Like, could you personally go around like in a soccer outfit, just like in your day to day, like? Well, Paul does pretty regularly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it takes a certain level of confidence in yourself to be able to do that. So um, I, I give him credit there. Even though, yeah, it might be a little silly. But, you know, that's fair. Everything's a little bit silly sometimes. Oh, there was one time. There was one time. I'll give you, I'll give you one story. Though this is, um, I would call this ironic. I would call this ironic because like, we weren't doing it in earnest. But we did it because we thought it was funny. <laughs> and that was um there was one time when I was in university with like my roommates and like they we were going to the cinema or something and uh we were like, Oh no, we're gonna be late. So I was just like I just started fucking Naruto running, just like, oh I've gotta get there fast. So I was like Psh! And I just started doing that and uh <laughs> and then they started following because of course they did, they started doing it too. And they, one of them was saying, like, yeah, I saw people like fucking pointing and laughing. And I was like, yeah, I don't fucking care, but I thought it was I thought it was funny. And I'm sure some other people had some enjoyment out of it, but yeah. That okay, I, I agree with that hundred percent. It does bring joy to people's lives. There was one time where I was just driving from my uh, a house that I was house sitting for back to my apartment, mm. and it's kind of this, you know, very Davis resident that's where I live, Davis, California, residential area. No one's around. There's just one kid playing in the street. And as I go through the stop sign, he just starts Naruto running away. And I just, it like, no one, like, you don't have to believe the story. It just happened and no one saw it. But it brought so much joy to my life. <laughs> that hey, I mean, just decided he, that to kid that. was having a good time. I bet he was going very quick. <laughs> he was. Yeah. That's why no uh, one believed it, is he was just, in an instant, <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> what I like about your story, Steve, is that you mentioned you were in university. So it means you were older mm. and there's that sort of stereotype of when a big group of guys 
you know, without any girls, they go out to, like, go to the bar to get laid. Like, the lads on the town. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that you guys... is not what my friend group was doing. <laughs> I, I like that you guys started as that before you started the Naruto run. Lads out on a night. <laughs> yeah, we're going out to the cinema and we're going to Naruto run. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't all... imagine... There was definitely no um there was definitely no going to the bar to hit on women in that in that instance, no. I think it would be funny if it that also happened afterwards, but uh no. <laughs> it was not in the on the cards at that point. Oh, but you guys can drink at eighteen, so that makes the start of university so much better. Um, yeah, I mean everyone at university is probably gonna be drinking if they want to. I mean I don't personally drink, so it was never oh, like okay. a, a factor for me. But like my friends, some well, my roommates sometimes did. Though um, they were bad drunks. I think I would say mm. <laughs> they were they were not the best drunks. Um, I don't think they could handle the drink too well anyway. So, but like yeah, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Like there's a lot, you know, being in university long enough, you get really tired of being around drunk people after a while. I mean, drunk people are insufferable if you're not as well. It's kind of the yeah, same thing with most drugs. Yeah, like, if you're in the water with them, I'm sure it's fine. But mm. if you're getting splashed on the outside, it's probably a little bit more annoying. That's why I just stay in the water. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, yeah, Adrian, this is a, this isn't a visual medium. Adrian lifted up his glass of alcohol, you know. Oh, yeah, audience. so really quickly for the audience, there's a huge time difference between everybody right now. I think Steve's around 8 p.m., Paul's around yeah, 2 p.m. I'm at, uh, I started this podcast at 10 a.m., so <laughs> I just started off with a little mimosa on a Saturday morning, do a little little brunch with the boys. <laughs> well, as long as you're having fun. Um, yeah, I got nothing to do today. I got to do a COVID test, and that's about it. <laughs> I think you can show up to those drunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a cotton ball up the, on the mouth and the nose. It's not going to stop you. Oh, luckily we just do the spit test. Although, oh, I've, okay. I've, yeah, I've talked on podcasts before about how apparently I'm a dry guy. So I have a lot of trouble producing a lot of spit for some reason. Well, I hope the alcohol is helping. Oh, it's, I'm salivating, baby. <laughs> I'm low being dog. If that's how it starts. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, this isn't a start for Adrian. This is many years of ruining forever. <laughs> oh yeah 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 in america we don't have that like even the uh there's there's no modesty in our drinking culture <laughs> i mean to be fair I, I don't know if you know this but like british drinking culture is pretty like mm. unapologetically bad that makes sense i uh i spoke with a professor who uh is british he's in germany now but mm. he was talking about how uh at princeton which is where he used to be how boring people were and they wouldn't like go get drinks with him and he was like yeah and i'm just used to like no matter where you go if you're in england you, after after you're done working you go get a few pints that's just how you finish the day uh sure, some people are like that it's true yeah you know i was like uh i like this guy uh i remember the last god the last job i um did i remember just talking to someone who was just like that uh like they, they it was very casual but it was like i was talking to someone who was like a functional al alcoholic at one point by the sounds like the amount they were drinking it was just like this dude's got a problem but he doesn't even seem to register that it was like an like a huge issue <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i guess it, the from what from what i know from the uh ghibli documentary you had to pick up a cigarette habit to to work in animation is that, is that um, part of it um if you're if you're a um hmm how do you put it if if you're if you're a dude who's like miyazaki's age in japan you probably smoke it's like statistically mm -hmm. just like a, a probably a factor there which probably doesn't doesn't read well you know it's not it's not great 
what grade to be doing that at that age but um we have this really horrible thing in our culture where i have friends who have started smoking because you don't get a break at work unless you smoke <laughs> and so oh god that's horrible a, yeah we terrible labor <laughs> culture in america <laughs> do they is, is that really i don't know how they can even fathom that like they just Oh, we fathom many things in this country. Because <laughs> I was gonna say when I when I used to do the last job I did, they you know there are like laws in England about like forcing work like workers to go on break. Mm. Like, like they usually like set you up at like times. I mean, it depends how loose where you're working is, but the bigger they are, the probably the more like particular they're gonna be about that. Like we used to have like little earpieces in, and they'd be like, "Okay, you can go for your like thirty now, or you need to go for your fifteen now," and you just have to go and like clock out and like do that. Like, they, it, that's just how it was. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I guess, kind of rounding out the conversation. Oh, before we leave, are you? I, I'm not at all, but I know Adrian is. So maybe there's uh, something to discuss here. Are you a soccer mm-hmm. fan or football fan, Steve? Uh, I am not. <laughs> You're not. Okay. Well, you've broken my image of uh, of British people, Steve. I don't even know what uh, to believe anymore. I mean, I'm probably a bad. I'm a bad stereotype. I'm afraid. Yeah, has Paul broken your image of Lebanese people, or have I broken your image of Guatemalan people? <laughs> or Honestly, either of because us for Southern people. The the uh, the thing the thing is like living in like where I do in England. It's a very sheltered area, so I wouldn't have a stereotype to begin with because it's not really brought up in like standard conversation. <laughs> like where I live, like literally, um, you know, it's like old white people mainly. <laughs> The fact that Paul hasn't eaten a single kebab on, on oh. film yet. <laughs> Although kebabs, kebabs are actually really uh, popular in England anyway. Like, not even, like, they're just, um, like, if you're, again, with a drinking culture, like, if you're out for, right. like, um, if you, wherever you are in England, there's probably going to be a kebab shop that's open late at night. That's where people go when they're drunk to get food. Yeah, Adrian, that'd be like bringing up, like, tikka masala, something that was foreign to the British people. Like, they know about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know kebabs are also yeah. for Australian folks. We had our Australian postdoc who would talk about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, like um, I mean, I don't really. Um, it's not really something I've ever gone into. But um, my sister was a big kebab fan, and the only times I've seen her eat them is when she's drunk. So you know, take that. <laughs> oh, and there's that YouTube channel of the um, of the British. Like he seemed really young, and I think people found out he was actually older than he was. The mm-hmm. black British guy who refused the uh, hot chicken around us. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 What yeah, was um, the slang term that he brought in that I absolutely loved? It's peg. It's peg. No, wait. That's, oh, pe- yeah, that's London. Peg. It's peng. Um, yeah, peng. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have. When I went to university, I think I was probably introduced to him because you know I met a couple of Londoners. Uh, I probably wouldn't have known it otherwise, but like, yeah, I, I learned a lot of um, London slang there. Again, like being from somewhere in the country where like it's pretty much completely sheltered from a lot of that. You, you only know it if you know the people. So like there's like peak, which I thought would mean bad, but peak is bad. So um I guess peng is good. It's like top, right? Or is it um, peak well peak is bad. So it's like peak bad. Oh. So like um if you say oh if you say oh that's peak, that means it's like really bad. Yeah. Dang. Uh and I don't know if I remember much else. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I remember too much else to be honest, but those I remember those two terms. Paul, do you have any American slang to <laughs> teach Steve about? <laughs> I don't know why this became like a cultural exchange. <laughs> The thing is, I would be the worst person for it because, because like even from where I'm from, I don't know much of the cultural exchanges. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the loop of uh, what is uh, expected of me. <laughs> oh, I guess if you want to finish it out with us, the last question. Um, if, if we're doing a cultural exchange, Steve, we usually let our guests talk about any particular recommendations um, from any music. Sorry, my my cat just came in, so she might be screaming. 
This episode is now featuring um, Steve, Steve Harvey, and Steve's cat. We've yeah, she's guests. very loud. She's gonna be. <laughs> she, she might take a second. Um, she does, this, I'm lucky. Well, you actually. It's quite surprising she hasn't showed up until now. This has actually been quite a long period. Um, things to recommend. Let me think. Um, ooh. I already did a massive media roundup of basically yeah, that, what our Steve pretty, recommendations. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> but the thing is, sometimes people ask me that stuff, and it's like. Don't you watch my channel? <laughs> it's like, what else do you think? Have you got time to watch like a bunch of other stuff outside of what I'm talking about? Anything like in the last week, we usually kind of do a media roundup. Like, yeah. hey, th- this is in my very recent memory. Not like, oh, what um, is Steve's favorite movie yeah, yeah. of all time? <laughs> yeah, I, I, anytime people ask me that question, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. very bad at like... I'm also bad questions. at having favorites. I don't really rank things that well. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. So it's always funny when people ask me. If we're giving shout-outs to our people across the pond, I did spend a good bit of this week catching up on the latest series of What I Lie to You, and it's just as pleasant and fun as always, so <laughs> recommend. Oh, awesome. Is David Mitchell still on there? Yeah, no, they didn't replace him. <laughs> as one of the captains? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that show would end if David or Lee left. Yeah, I'm familiar with the show a little bit, though. I haven't seen it since I was quite young. <laughs> I didn't know they were still going. <laughs> Paul and I really like uh, panel shows like that. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine there's a there's a specific type of British panel show that I don't know if you, you do it quite in the same in America. Yeah, it's no. it's not the same, and it's like kind of funny because it's it's really I guess podcasts are our closest things to where we just get comedians to be funny every week, and in Britain you guys do it with a panel show. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend once in university who actually said he went to one of those sort of um, panels, but he said it ruined it for him because he found out how like scripted it is. Oh. Mm. Like he said, uh, like you know, they like when you're supposed to clap, when you're supposed to do a certain thing, when you're supposed to do a bit. Like mm. being on the the audience, a ru- ruined the allure of the show to him. I guess the magic was removed. I'm gonna need you to st- stop talking now. The best quote <laughs> of the year is my favorite part of New Year, Steve, and I, I'm not letting you take that away from me. Just don't, just don't go on there. Just don't be a guest. It's fine. Give you a rest. Uh, the cat's still meowing because she she doesn't know if she wants to be in the room or not. Okay, we coming back in. Uh, to be fair, all right. There's two <laughs> things I could recommend. I've kind of been like, look, oh, shush, cat. Oh. Shush. She's always like this. Um, yeah, there's two things I probably could recommend just for like things I've been doing casually. What? Um, there's this one. <laughs> She's not gonna stop forever. There's this one um, game I bought on Steam recently. Okay, I think she wants to sit on my lap. That's why she's being so annoying. Yeah, there's this one game I bought on Steam for, like, Japanese learning uh, that I've been trying out just because I thought it sounded like a fun idea. It's not for, like, getting fluent, but it the game, well, ironic to the name. I think it was called Influent, and the idea mm. is it's sort of like a game where you walk around a house and it has all the items in Japanese and you can click on them and it will, tell, it will like, say what it is, it will give you the kanji, it will basically say how it, you know, they'll have someone pronounce the word. And, like, the game's sort of like a, you know, like a time attack, sort of like almost like a fancy version of doing like uh, flashcards or something where you just walk mm. around and do different little tests of words and see if you can remember them and uh, all this other stuff i like that yeah that's cool uh i've so, so uh, this is me putting this out into the world uh to manifest it somebody do that for arabic because i can't read or write arabic but i can speak it so i need something Ooh, it, <laughs> to do that um, i might have to double check this because the game has like a bunch of language packs one okay. of them might actually be um arabic Nice. Um, though it would only teach you about 400 or something words. I mean, that might make it easier, I imagine. I mean, I guess I know the words. It's really when you mentioned the kanji popping up. I need something to tell me how you would, so I could learn to spell and write the word. 
uh, yeah, does kind of match uh, it to the character. Since how f- how familiar with the, uh, the the language in itself, like uh, writing it, can you write? No, is no it, you... not at all. Just fluent in speaking. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, that that's a that's specific one dialect too, right? Too hard to get it. Yeah, and a very specific dialect. But I, I I've I've been getting that's... better at understanding like Egyptian and Iraqi. Yeah, I mean that's pretty good to have, quite frankly. Because uh, at least you're like halfway there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I, I had, I don't even know the characters. Like, I don't even know the sounds when I look at a character. I'm just like, that's a cool squiggle. Uh, unfortunately, from what I can see, that it is not one of the languages in there. Probably because it's mm-hmm. a little bit too intense. But there must be something similar out there for that. But um, good luck, I, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and, it may take uh, some time. And you had the other recommendation, right, Steve? Oh yeah, the the other one is um, it's an anime. That I probably wouldn't make a video about because I don't know how I'd do it, but um, uh, unorthodox, I guess. Uh, usually, um, this actually might help you because it's about baseball, and I don't know anything about baseball. Hmm. But I think the show is good because in Japan, if there's one sport that they've taken from Americans, it's baseball. Mm-hmm. They're very much like baseball, and uh, it's called Cross Game, and it's a I think it's a 2009 anime about like um, basically it's a sports anime from 2009. And it's about playing baseball, but it's more so about like sort of the characters' sort of lives and kind of living around that sort of moment. And like, there's um, there's like a very pivotal moment in the first episode that got me very intrigued. That happened where like it sort of changed the dynamic of the show and it became more, more I guess um, personable or like more emotionally, just like it became like I was more gripped to the characters' like emotional states after what happened in it because it was a very like intense thing that happened that sort of has has a sort of painted their, like, outlook in life in a very particular way. I like your commitment to not spoiling things that me and Adrian never yeah. take. We, we have <laughs> ruined so much media for people. <laughs> I, I, I won't do it just because I think that, like, the, the reveal in the first episode was very, um, mm. took me aback quite strongly, so I think it's worth, like, saying that it's worth checking out for the first episode, and then you probably can understand if you're, you, you'll want to keep going. I think it's just generally a really good show that doesn't get talked nice. about that much. I do really like the baseball episode from Samurai Champloo, so... Oh, that's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fun one, because I think that's based on a historical event, if I recall. Oh, really? Yeah, I think something similar to that literally happened, but I'd have to look it up just to make sure. Oh, and um, I also really love the... Uh, you you Specifically that episode, you have to watch in the, uh, in the, in the Japanese with the subs, because their <laughs> version of an American accent is delightful. Or English. <laughs> yeah, there are. Uh, yeah, that's the the classic. Um, you know, Japanese people in the booth that don't know how to speak English. Yeah, <laughs> it's a staple. It is a staple of anime, to be fair. Oh, you see, that's that's proof of how little I've watched that. It was a staple. I've I've seen um, that show because of Nuja Best. So I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it it's just that like um, I think a lot of uh people who are you know voice actors in the industry like most of them don't speak English. English yeah. Um. I think it's uh, a lot of the younger people who don't speak a lot of good English, or it's like very limited. So um, yeah, when when um, when they need someone to speak English in a Japanese show, unless they can find a random like you know English person off the street, or like there is a select few, from what I understand, I don't know if this is the case. This is how it used to be in the nineties, from what I was told. There was like a select like chunk of like uh, Jap like English people in or like, English speaking people in, in Japan who like would do all the English voices for like different games. That'd be like, you know, if you Monkey Ball or whatever, or like an arcade game where they have someone go ready fight. They just have this, like, a couple people would be, like, around who just do that stuff. I know there's an awesome video on YouTube of a guy who really liked Monkey Ball 
going into a very in-depth i'll put it in the description of this uh mm. of this podcast but going really in-depth trying to find the original voice actor who did the monkey ball voice yeah i think i know the video you're talking about yeah but yeah like um yeah m- most most anime don't have like they can't be bothered uh, enough to like find like a real english voice cast <laughs> if they need to have like a random character speaker yeah just because you know most japanese people won't be able to tell the difference anyway i think that's how they think about it uh, even um actually there's one one particular one that's kind of interesting um i don't know if either of you have seen shin godzilla godzilla even shin mm-hmm. godzilla uh directed by um hideaki ano who did like um ava like um neon genesis ava Gelling. he's like a very famous mm-hmm. anime director uh, there's a, like a half um quotation marks half american character in it uh, who's supposed to be from the States, who's just a Japanese woman who can't speak English. Like, so, she, so, so what they'll do is they occasionally she'll throw in like an English phrase, but she speaks Japanese all the time, and occasionally she might just throw in like a small English phrase, and that's like their idea of this is an American. That that uh, That's actually like a pretty good pitch to me. I want to listen yeah. to that, that sounds. Yeah, so maybe she'll say like, okay, or like she'll do a hand signal or something, or she'll, mm. she'll just say something like that. Uh, but that that's like, you can tell she doesn't, she's definitely not native. Even though she's supposed to be from America, like living there. <laughs> All right, Adrian, did you have any uh, final questions for? Oh uh, no, I think Steve's been very generous with his time. I, I, I'm, I think I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I feel very satisfied. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and notch off my recording. Ooh, I forgot to hit record. <laughs> I didn't know you were choking enough for a second there. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Cause I can't